welcome the Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group, live on this beautiful Tuesday morning. I hope this finds you well wherever you may be, whether you're podcasting in the middle of the night or maybe you're just rolling out of the rack, getting your day started, or you're running errands, or you're in your cubicle, wherever you are. Maybe you're on the treadmill getting it done. Welcome. And what a fantastic day. You know what? The cool weather. They're threatening to be here. I, I heard uh, th- Thursday or Friday. It's supposed to be below 90 degrees, and we are so excited for it. This is We're getting close to the time of the year where we get to brag about how great the weather is. Uh, until then, we still got a few more days of 90 eight ninety seven and ninety nine but it sure beats a hundred. Uh speaking of what hundred, Donald Trump was on fire today. We're gonna talk about that. We had economic data out, we got a Fed meeting, we got so much to talk about, but before we do that, the toll free number at eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two if you'd like to continue your education. Make All American Gold part of your daily routine. Uh, That is our website. You can shop online. You can listen to all the videos and read all the articles that we post up there each and every day. Uh, Ramon's got a a pretty good clip by Peter Schiff today. It's down near the bottom of the page. It's an hour long, but he covers all kinds of ground, some interesting things. Make sure you check that out. But we have two really pretty big events happened this morning. The first was Toys R Us. You know, the the toy store. (laughs) I don't even know how many there are. Well, I do know how many there are. There's still 1,600 of them left. They filed for bankruptcy protection. And here's what I didn't know. The second largest retail bankruptcy behind Sears and Kmart. That's how much debt Toys R Us had. And it was it was actually hilarity as they were talking about, you know, they're going to try to keep all the stores open through the holiday. And they're, I don't know if it was their CEO or their CFO or somebody. Well, you know, most of our stores, you know, most of our stores are profitable. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, uh, no, actually they're not. Otherwise, you wouldn't be filing for bankruptcy. Right? That's like saying, hey, you know what? If we didn't have all of this debt, right? If I, if I didn't have to pay my student loan and my credit card, and, and if I didn't have to pay my Obamacare, and if I didn't have to pay my mortgage, then, well, I wouldn't be broke. So 1,664,000 1, people uh, remains to be seen. Of course, somebody will loan him some money anyway to get through the holiday season. And then Donald Trump, President Trump, was in front of the U.N. today and said that, and I'll just quote, we will have no choice than to totally destroy North Korea. And, of course, referring to uh, Kim Jong-un as Rocket Man, what do you ask? I wonder if Elton John's down with it. Does he get like a royalty? Right? Rocket man. <laughs> Maybe the next time 
North Korea launches a missile, they could have that song playing in the background. Uh, but said that Rocket Man was on a suicide mission for himself and the, regi- and the regime. The North Korean uh, mission to the United Nations did not immediately respond for comment about Trump's remarks, but uh, I, I point those out. So think about this today. Second largest retail bankruptcy ever. The addressing the United Nations, hey, listen, you know what, it's going to be one or the other. Either he stopped, which most people don't think he will, or we're going to totally destroy North Korea. You would think that maybe that would throw a little pause into Wall Street. Nope, it's, it's still up a little bit today, if you can believe it. This is how big the bubble is. Uh, gold gold is stabilized here. Uh, silver, actually, silver's having a pretty good day. It's up about 18 cents right now, 17.25. So, uh, gold's up a few bucks, uh, 13.08, as this is the first day of a two-day Federal Reserve meeting. And here's what, what's really interesting. And, and this is kind of, I think, why people love to listen to this show. So the, the Federal Reserve, they have their own economists, you know, Right? They've got their own IT mafia. They've got all of their own internal reports and all of their mathematical formulas. And, and so when they come up with these plans, okay, like the, the plan that they're supposed to unveil tomorrow, which is the quote-unquote unwinding of all of the uh, all of the balance sheet. Well, not all of the balance sheet. No one... They're not even talking about going back to the to the seven hundred billion. Oh, everyone's saying it'll be somewhere around three trillion uh, from the four and a half trillion. But uh, a lot of people, a lot smarter than me, coming out today say, "Yeah, duh. they're not going that far. It's going to be real, real slow, uh, and probably turn around before it's done." But neither here nor there. When I, my point I'm getting to is as they sit in their, their cubicles and in their rooms and, and they probably have, you know, uh, a big conference table and they all gather around and, and they all got out their mathematical formulas and all the whatever it is that they do. And they look at pie charts and bar charts. They look at all kinds of charts and graphs. And they come up with the... Uh, the conclusion of what is going to happen by enacting certain policies. I'm going to tell you how they've done when we get back. The fighting is getting close at hand. Patriot Radio News Hour, 800 951 Zero five nine two. I just love the timing, right? So here we get ready. We're starting uh, the first day of a two-day Federal Reserve meeting. They're going to hold a press conference and everything, right? Janet Yellen's going to come out and and she's going to talk in a very monotone voice, and and she's going to come out and tell everybody how great they are. And that we're going to start this new program. And let me tell you how it's going to work. It's going to do this, and and it's going to do that. And it's not going to do this, and it won't do that. And it's going 
to be wonderful. Right? And, and, and of course, Wall Street already knows. That's why I laughed yesterday. You know, Wall Street was up yesterday. Gold was down. Of course, gold was down. Just, you know, we they play the little game, right? The the And it started on Friday, and, and is it, it may be done as of yesterday. We'll have to wait and see if there's any big surprise tomorrow. I don't think there's going to be. But the reason why Wall Street's still up, they don't believe anything they say. They don't believe that they're going to go start selling huge quantities of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. They'll sell a little bit. You know, they'll do the pretend thing. But it's not going to go very far. Just like they don't believe. I know that I read, oh, no, they're going to raise rates. They're not raising rates. So today they came out and said, you know what? We studied the quantitative easing part. So when you think about quantitative easing, the first round started in 2008. The last bond purchase was in October of 2014. Now, back then, they told us this is what quantitative easing is going to do, this is what it's not going to do, and this is what we're, we're trying to accomplish, this is what we hope is going to happen. Well, today, they actually re- re- released the results. On the cusp of reversing the most ambitious monetary stimulation program in world history, I love that part, right? And it and it and it sounds really good, doesn't it? Reversing the most ambitious. You know, and when you think about the words that are used to describe, normally when you talk about a person's being ambitious, that's a positive thing. Right? Hey, they're ambitious. They're they're a go getter. And, and then they talk about monetary stimulus. Most people don't even understand what it is they're trying to say. Right? And really what it was is, is hey, we printed the crap out of money. Right? We printed all kinds. We just made up all kinds of, of money out of thin air and created trillions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. That doesn't sound all that good all of a sudden. That doesn't sound all of that ambitious. And then they talk about the largest program in world history. Like I said, and I say this every so often, people, you know, a hundred years from now, when they write the the history books, and they'll probably, just like uh, we write the history books wrong now, they'll, they'll, I'm sure, spin it in a certain way. But even still, they'll be like, what were these people thinking? Right? No, nowhere in the history of the world did anybody say that that would be good economic policy. But now they've come out and said, here's what the program was. Money print. And this is out of uh, CNBC this morning. And that it did one thing. 
It boosted stock prices. This is the Federal Reserve's own economist. The three iterations of quantitative easing each saw big boost to the stock market. And that actually makes sense when you if you understand what the stock market really is. The stock market's a debt market. And when you increase the amount of debt by trillions of dollars, the markets are going to view that positively. Right? The Fed's on our side. Right? Remember the idiot thing about, don't fight the Fed, right? That's their whole little mantra. And, and it said that, uh, talking about the S&P was up 140%. The economic impact, now that was not why they told you they were doing quantitative easing. That's why Eric and I said they were doing it, right? Remember, what did we tell you? They're bailing out their friends, right? They care about their system, not about you or I. The economic impacts are much less clear. For most of the period, okay, so you're going to go from 08 to 2014. For most of that period, and really for all of it, let's be honest, GDP struggled to gain. It's still struggling, right? And they used 2%. It struggled to do 2%. And this was one of the things that they told us of why they were doing the quantitative. They were going to get growth going again. Right? And they had all of their economy. They sat around the conference table eating their subsidized lunches, saying, yes, this is what's going to help the average American on the street, if you want to believe that. Wealth disparity grew significantly. Hmm. Again, who do you want to believe? We told you that was what was going to happen. The rich are going to get richer. The vast majority of us will actually be poorer. And really, when you think about our debt levels now that we all hold, Right, just for our credit cards and our student loans and our mortgages and all that other crap. So at all time record high, that's not better. Income gain. Because right? remember, they're doing it for you. We're hard to come by. In other words, that's a fancy way for saying you didn't get it. Right? The rich guys got some. We you didn't get nothing. And the Fed continually came up short on its inflation goal. So, according to their own economists, who are the ones, by the way, that said, yeah, we're going to do this, and here's what's going to happen. We're wrong about GDP. (laughs) We're wrong about who was actually going to benefit, right, the wealth disparity. We're wrong about income gain. Oh, and we were wrong about the inflation thing as well. Those were the four things that were supposed to happen. The one thing that turned out to be right, they never said, oh, by the way, we're going to make Wall Street go through the roof. We're going to create another huge bubble. 
why I told you, and this is why you need to understand, they haven't fixed it. We're actually right back to the edge of the cliff again. You know this. No, I had one of our, uh, a, a good customer of ours. He lives in South Carolina. His daughter lives in Florida. And they're older, right? And they want to be near their daughter and the grandkids and all of that. And he was just down there, right? And, you know, they had the hurricane. So I said, well, how are things down there? He goes, man, you know, where his daughter uh, lived, it wasn't so bad. And he's talking about how she's already back at work. Most of her coworkers still aren't back, right? Even though they, you know, the power's on there and all this stuff. Hey, you take advantage, you take advantage. But they were looking at, you know, buying a place. And they're looking at, at in a building, and it's a 55 and older community and all of those things. And he said to the person, well, most people just pay cash. And, and the person looked at him like he was crazy. Oh, no. I mean, maybe, maybe we get 20%. Maybe. And then everyone finances it for 30 years. And he goes, it's a 55 and older community. Who's going to live 30 more years, right? You know? <laughs> right? And he's like, then what? Oh, you know, that's fine. Like, that's not how it used to be. And I have a lot of experience with the, you know, I grew up in Syracuse, right? The East Coast, people retired to Florida. My my grandparents, they bought a house in Florida. It wasn't a house, it wasn't one of those condo buildings. They bought it. They paid cash. And then mortgage it. And I just think about, well, this is how poor everybody really is. They don't have the money to pay cash. And they say, talking about the central bank's announcement that it's going to start unwinding now. So they created a program that according to the Fed's own economists, that the quantitative easing program came up well short of its goals. And I just bring this up, because remember what I told you yesterday. Other central banks have tried to, quote-unquote, shrink their balance sheet, right? Because they always have a good reason for increasing them. And if you actually listen to Peter Schiff today, if you go and you want to listen to it, he'll give you a little history about how it came to fruition that the Federal Reserve was allowed to even buy U.S. Treasury. Because when they first created the Federal Reserve, that wasn't allowed. Right? And the reason why they didn't want to allow it is because they didn't want stuff like this to happen. Evaluating the effects of monetary policy is difficult. Even in the case of conventional interest rate policy, according to the St. Louis of Fed's economist, Stephen Williamson. Right? So we say, hey, listen, this isn't, this isn't uh, uh, an exact science. Even when we're talking about conventional stuff, you know, back when interest rates were, you know, at 6 and 7%, and when things got bad, maybe they went to 4%, right? No one ever dreamed of going to zero for 10 years. No one ever dreamed of the, the Federal Reserve and the Central Bank 
buying trillions of dollars worth of debt. And I'm going to tell you right now, I want you to think about this. What do you think happens now? Do you really believe, you're telling me that you believe that doing something, everybody up until it happens, for hundreds and hundreds of years, everybody said you don't do this. You don't take interest rates to zero or, heaven forbid, negative. And you don't create trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of fiat money. Because when it's over, it's going to end badly. We've only gotten the good part of it, right? This is the good part of quantitative easing. With respect to quantitative easing, again, this is the Federal Reserve's own economists who were probably the ones that told us how this thing was going to work. There are good reasons to be skeptical that it worked. Well, at least that it worked as advertised, right? Well, listen, there's not good reason to be skeptical. It didn't work as advertised. Not even close. And economists have made a good case that quantitative easing is actually detrimental. We haven't gotten to the detrimental side yet, but it's coming. Patriot Radio News Hour. We'll be back after the break. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, here's Ryan Haidt. Thomas Homan, the no-nonsense head of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, or ICE, spoke out against Chicago, New York, San Francisco, and Philadelphia as cities that harbor illegal immigrants. Sanctuary cities, in my opinion, are un-American, he said in a recent interview. In the last year, I've read all these stories of how the crime rate has exploded in Chicago, and the president's trying to help them. We're stepping up our game in Chicago. Is Chicago doing everything that it can to decrease the criminal activity up there? I say no, Homan said. I say no because if you're an illegal alien and you get arrested in the United States for a crime and you get booked in Cook County, Chicago, my officers aren't allowed in the jail. They don't accept our detainers. They don't share information with us, he said. Why would Cook County not want my officers, federal law enforcement officers, to go talk to someone that committed yet another crime against the citizens of this country? It's ludicrous, the acting head of ICE continued. These jurisdictions, these cities, are choosing to shield people who violated the laws of this country. So what's next? Sanctuary cities for people who don't want to pay their taxes? Well, San Francisco became America's best-known sanctuary city when Kate Steinel was shot and killed there in 2015 by illegal immigrant Juan Francisco Lopez Sanchez, who was released from custody by the sheriff despite seven felony convictions and five orders of deportation. A few months after Kate Steinel's death, another illegal, Pedro Figueroa Zarceno, was in police custody for an outstanding warrant. This time, the police turned the alien over to federal authorities for deportation. But, like many people who were ordered deported, Pedro didn't actually go home. 
he remained in San Francisco, continuing to resist deportation. In 2016, his hearing was scheduled for 2019. Adding insult to injury, the San Francisco city attorney announced in August an agreement to settle a lawsuit by paying Pedro $190,000. The illegal immigrant not only gets to stay, he'll also get a lump sum from the taxpayers to enjoy life while awaiting his next hearing. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Illegal immigration burdens our schools and social services and opens doors to criminals and terrorists. Outdated visa programs divert jobs from Americans. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles these outrageous unfair practices and provides answers. Go online to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. He was backwards, backwards. Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour, our toll free number 800 9510592. Tomorrow is the announcement. And everybody expects the starting of the unwinding of quantitative easing. Quite possibly the biggest economic failure. The biggest economic failure ever, as far as the central bank goes. Now, in order for that statement to be true, we're in for some rough times. And now you have their own economists coming out and saying, you know what? Didn't work. Definitely did well. Let me tell you, it didn't work the way they said it was going to. And, and what the Federal Reserve wanted out of quantitative easing was inflation and GDP growth. And of course, if inflation rises, you almost, you know, GDP rises with it. See what I'm saying? And, of course, they use the word inflation. What they really mean is devaluation. What they really want is a controlled valuation. And just anybody who thinks that they can take a $19 trillion economy, 320-plus million people, and somehow through economic theory, believe that they can control inflation is what kind of drugs are you on but in this report the federal reserve's own economists admit we already knew that it didn't work but we did it anyway because quantitative easing wasn't invented by our central bank. Oh, no. The ones that invented it were the Japanese. And they said that they actually studied it. And they said where in Japan, where QE originated, the program did the exact same thing. 
asset prices rose, right? Stock market. Got to remember, so Japan, the stock market went from 40,000 to 10. They started their QE. They got they they got about the same. They got it to from that 10 to 20. So so they didn't do quite as well as we did, right? Cuz you know, we're America, so we can do it better. They said they didn't get any inflation. And they didn't get any quantity. They didn't get any GDP growth either. But we did it anyway. And we came out and we told everybody this was what was going to happen, even though they are, they already knew that that wasn't going to happen. But again, right, it's going to be different this time. It worked just like it did in Japan. We got the exact same thing. Nobody made any more money. Inflation, you know, the way they, of course, the way they track inflation now, it's almost impossible to get it. <laughs> right? I mean, again, they live in some bubble that the rest of us don't live in. And the only thing that happened is asset prices rose. And in now we're talking about what happens now. If you're going to try to go back, there's a very simple reason why it is that 100% of the time, going back creates a recession. Do you know that our balance sheet, the Federal Reserve's balance sheet, right, is about, about just not quite 25% of the entire country's GDP? That's how big it is. <laughs> it's amazing. Right? You think about our national debt, their debt, states and cities' debts. I mean, you're, we're so far above what GDP is. It's, it's incredible. But if the only thing that GDP or quantitative easing does was increase asset prices, what happens when you go the other way? I mean, logically. Right? If you ask somebody, you know what? Okay, now, I, I, I admit, I didn't go to, to Harvard. I didn't go to Yale. I'm not an economist. Okay? I... I I know how to make a pie chart, right? But I'm not, you know, you know, pie is 3.14 something, something, something. But that's the extent of my mathematical wizardry. But just using common sense. Okay, first, you already knew a central bank that did quantitative easing. And they did it big, right? The Japanese don't mess around. I mean, they're, they're quantitative easing. Granted, our, we got a bigger GDP. But the size of their central bank balance sheet compared to their GDP, it's even bigger, right? I mean, it's, a, it's huge. And they knew what the results were. Yeah, I looked at stock prices and, you know, maybe housing prices, asked anything that debt-related got more expensive. Nobody made any more money, and it didn't help GDP grow. Sound familiar? 
Does that sound like like the economy we've had now since 2008? And now they're going to come out tomorrow, and they're going to tell us that this time it's different, and we're going to unwind this, and it's going to be perfectly fine. And it's not going to cause a recession, and, and it's going to be like watching the paint dry. And I don't know what other ridiculous analogies they're going to talk about. Here's what their economists are now saying. Clearly, and, with, and Fed speaks a pretty strong word, clearly, because they don't want to be clear about anything. There is a risk of policy error which could trigger a sell-off in global financial markets. But this week's confirmation that the Fed will begin reducing its balance sheet should pass off smoothly, according to an economist that doesn't work at the Federal Reserve. See? It's different this time. Yeah, there's a risk. I know it's never actually happened the way they we say it's gonna, but this time it'll be different. Patriot Radio News Hour. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be fine. We know there's a risk, but it's gonna be fine. It's never been fine. You know, and they'll try to tell oh well, you know, it's never been done before. Yes it has. Quantitative easing. It was never done before. Yes, it was. Countries have tried to do this before. They've all ended the same way. We're not special. I know we like we like to think we're special, right? It's just like as parents, we always think our kid is special. <laughs> right? We're not. And the answer, really, it doesn't have to do with any complex formula. Right? It really boils down to common sense. Okay, here's what you did. You printed trillions of dollars worth of of fake money. And they didn't have to do anything. They just went to their keyboard, and you bought up all of this debt. Right, you drove interest rates down to nothing. Right? Part of the reason why I think these tax cuts are gonna be they're not gonna be as good. We've already had interest rates at zero for a decade. <laughs> I mean the ten year note's still only at two point two. Everybody's borrowed everything they could possibly borrow. And now you're going to say, okay, it's going to be different this time. And we're going to start selling it off, and nobody's going to care, and it's going to be great. And it's going to just be a little bit. And really, the logical outcome is whatever bubble you blew up, you're going to start deflating, right? And, of course, you're going to control it. That's the best part. Right? They really are full of themselves, aren't they? And and I just and and then really here's what what bothers me the most. 
sound like I got some top secret information. Right? You don't even have to look hard. It's not like I'm I'm going into the to the dark corners of the web. Right? I, I'm not getting going through the WikiLeaks documents. It's not that hard. They just simply choose to say, well, no, it's going to be fine. And then the funny part is they'll tell you, oh, well, we never saw it coming. You know, these bubbles, they're hard to spot. (laughs) I'm going to give you a sign that bubbles are not hard to spot. We had the second largest retail bankruptcy of all time this morning, and Donald Trump coming out and saying, hey, if we need to, if this... If Rocket Man doesn't put the rockets in check, we're going to totally destroy North Korea. Uh, Dow's up 50 points. There's your bubble. That's all you need to know. Because you know that. Come on, none of those make sense. By the way, on top of the Toys R Us bankruptcy, you want to add this in there. Another thing that quantitative easing did not fix. Fitch, right? They're one of the rating agencies, right? S&P and Fitch. They came out and said the one-third of all malls in the United States need to close by 2020. So if they're saying a third, my guess is it's going to be half. And I've been telling you, remember, I've been saying it all year. The retail bankruptcy, we're not done. Oh, no, no, no. We're not done with Toys R Us. And believe me, the, the, the second-place Toys R Us, by this time next year, I wouldn't be surprised if they're not even in the top five. One more piece of economic news was out today. Home builders. This was a uh, construction starts. Home builders slowed their pace of construction by a sharp eight-tenths of a percent, and that's a big number. You know, I know it's not, yeah, it's not even one percent, but that's a big number, eight-tenths of a percent. The second straight monthly decline, right, and we keep talking about this. They keep talking about there's a supply problem and all of this, and of course I come out of there, there's no supply problem. <laughs> there's plenty of homes for three, four, five million, two million dollars. They're everywhere. What there isn't is homes for less than two hundred grand, and you would think, listen, if the home builders could build a two hundred thousand dollar house and sell them and make a bunch of money, they'd be building them. And I keep trying to explain that to you. Instead, what do they do? They build apartments. The tepid sales numbers suggest that it has become more profitable for companies to build a smaller number of houses for the affluent than it is to ramp up construction of a broader swath of buyers and renters. <laughs> right? That's really well put. Let me Let me give you some plain English on that. We can't make any money building houses for people that don't have any money. Right? That's what that means. 
we can't make any money to build houses for people that don't have any money. Remember one of the things that quantitative easing has given us. The largest division, if you will, the largest gap in wealth in, I don't even know, maybe a century. We have more people making less money than ever before. This is what the central bank has accomplished. Let's give them a round of applause. And tomorrow they're going to give us some more manure. Patriot Radio News Hour, final segment coming up. Final segment, Patriot Radio News Hour. Maybe we can all just go to Never Never Land and fly around with the Lost Boys and Peter Pan. And, and and Janet Yellen, she can be, uh, what's the little one? Uh, Tinkerbell. Yeah, Tinkerbell. She can be Tinkerbell, right? Put their little pixie dust all over. See, you know, everything's fine. It's going to be different this time. Because why? Because, well, as, as long as I believe it, then you should believe it. And as long as, as we believe it, then it must be true. This is our new economic policy. And I know, listen, I don't want it to end badly, but, I mean, read what the home builders said. I didn't say it. Hey, we only build homes for rich people. Why? Because poor people can't afford one. That's simple. Right? Now, that actually makes sense. Oh, no, we got a supply problem. You're right. You know what the supply problem is? We just don't have enough people that make enough money to actually be able to buy a home. Those are the facts. And then somehow you want to think, hey, you know what? In baseball, if a guy hits three out of ten, a guy hits 300, he's a pretty good hitter. Right? Uh, Football. Right? If your quarterback's hitting 60 to 65% of of his passes, He's a pretty good quarterback. I'm coming out and telling you what the Federal Reserve is going to announce tomorrow and what they tell you is going to happen. It hasn't happened. That hasn't been right 60% of the time. It hasn't been right 30% of the time. It's never happened the way they're going to say it's going to happen tomorrow. And yet somehow they're going to come out, and everybody knows what I'm saying is true. But they're going to come out tomorrow, and they're all going to clap, and oh, yeah, get it going. This is not going to work. Now, what's going to happen? I, I don't know. Logic tells me that it's going to end badly for the asset prices. But at first, right, they're going to right go right in and they're you don't fight the Fed. And then she's going to be spreading her little pixie dust and, and forget about what we said was going to happen, right? Now, you know, just think about the policy they put in place, the quantitative easing. What they actually said would happen, none of that happened. None of it. 
The only thing that happened was asset prices rose. That's it. That wasn't even one of the things they said was supposed to happen. Now they're going to come out tomorrow and say, oh, no, it's going it's to be fine. It's going to be like watching paint dry. It's going to be that boring. The markets aren't going to care at all. 800-951-0592. If you want to think that maybe the Fed is going to institute this program and be very dovish about it tomorrow, and, and you think gold's going to spike uh, on that news, I'm going to run $10 libs on special today at $675. If you want to wait, and let's see what happens. We'll talk again about it tomorrow. But U.S. $10 liberties at six seventy-five at eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two. Unfortunately, I wish it was going to be different this time. I just don't think it will. 